You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, a USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to our 10th show, and we are back again with Pastor Gene Williams. And we're going to be talking about uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, continuing with part two out of a three-part series. And we will also hopefully have a, a special guest joining us today as well. Uh, welcome, Pastor Gene. Hey, Coach Connors. How you doing, my friend? I am doing great. You see my jacket I got on today, and I'm ready to go to church. Yes, sir. Really you're looking right. Because... Uh, you know, when I went back and listened to that first part, I got really excited about the, the detail and all the ways that you were explaining the word. And I'm, I'm just really excited. Uh, I'm just learning quite a bit myself in doing this. And I know anybody listening to this is going to benefit greatly, no doubt. But uh, very excited to get started today. And we're going to roll right into 2 Corinthians and, and finish that up. And I just had... Uh, uh, the, the one thing that I wanted to mention, I don't think we got into, was when Paul was talking about a thorn in the flesh. Mm. And uh, Jesus said, my grace is, is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's, you know, such a great uh, scripture. And then it goes on, and, and what Paul says is, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, and needs, and persecution, and distresses, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So we've heard this quite a few times in church, uh, but go a little deeper for us there, please. Yeah, Master, that boy, that, that is a great passage, is it not? Yes, sir. Um, so there's there's some, some very distinct things we know about the Apostle Paul. There are some things that we don't. Um, scripture certainly gives us enough to get a good outline of where he is in life. So as Paul's ministry really begins to develop, so he he comes to faith in Christ, uh, and that's a pretty dramatic uh, experience on the road with a couple other guys, and the Lord meets with him. There's about a decade there before he really starts uh, going into ministry itself. He spends a good part of his life being discipled, and then we just know that God exploded his ministry really throughout all of that part of the world, even to Asia Minor. He, as you read Paul's letters, if you read them chronologically, one of the things that we begin to notice is that it seems like from what the writings were and people who were writing for him, in other words, the Holy Spirit was inspiring him and then he may have somebody writing this down like Timothy. It seems like Paul was beginning to lose his eyesight uh, as he got older. There were certainly some health needs there. There's a couple of things in scripture that make it somewhat alludes to us. And we, I don't know that this is a stretch, but it's certainly if you, if you read different uh, conservative commentators on this, that lo this looks like it could have been a thorn. Uh, the Apostle Paul may have even been uh, had an issue with epilepsy. And one of the things that you pick up on Paul was at different times in uh, the historical book of the New Testament, the book of Acts, that God is using different ones of the apostles, if not all of them, 
to bring healing in somebody else's life. And we, we still believe in healing today. We know the book of James tells us that if you're sick, if you have a chronic sickness, for sure, call for your pastors, let them lay hands on you, even anoint them with all. So we know there's a biblical model of healing and we know that God can heal. And we've seen at our church instantaneously, he can heal over time or sometimes he heals permanently. He takes someone home to heaven. So Paul had been allowed by the Lord to uh, when he was stoned at one point, um, we believe he may very likely have died and God let him see heaven and, and aspects of heaven. But it was not uh, attributed to him that he would write out uh, and share what we know as the revelation, which John writes later. Um, so Paul, <laughs> he says he if it, whether it was a dream or not, he could not tell. But he he saw key elements of heaven and yet the lord told him you can't share this and part of what happened there was paul got to experience great glory but because of that he also in god's plan uh, he experienced great suffering and yet the lord in the suffering uh his plan was not to hurt paul in fact uh he said that satan came and buffeted him it, it was that thorn in the flesh it was one that had dug in and he couldn't seem to get it out in fact he said they went to Christ three times specifically and said, you know, would you remove this? And the Lord each time said, no, I'm not going to choose to heal you like you're asking. But what I am going to do is I'm going to give you grace that's greater than your suffering. And so the Apostle Paul teaches us, certainly even as we age, if there are things that God allows in our lives that he's not going to relieve or heal or alleviate us from the blessing of that even though we may on this earth have to endure that is that he's going to give us grace that is much greater than the suffering that we go through. And so in other words, God gives us his spirit in such a way that we're able not only to endure that suffering, we can use it for his glory. Um, it's the same idea of, let's just say there was a wonderful strength coach who had you in the gym and he knew that he had a, uh, let's say it's Jeff Connors. He knew there was a breakthrough you were about to have and you're thinking, man, I, I can't take anymore. Now, Jeff knows how much you really can take and how you, how much you can't take. So he knows that line, but he's going to push you and push you and push you to bring you to this new place of strength. Yeah. That's the same thing our savior does. There are times that he allows us to suffer and to continue to suffer, but we learn a whole new level of strength there because of the grace he gives us. And that, that grace is accessible for every believer that, that we can tap into that in our times of suffering, even chronic suffering. And instead of that being a place where we're defeated, man, that's, that's where we have victory at is through that grace in the midst of our suffering. So that's a, that's a dynamic, dynamic passage of scripture. Yes. So, so there has to be pain for the gain is it kind of like no pain, no gain or uh... there, there are certainly on the, on the, on the road, this road of faith, we walk with Christ. Right. What we are promised is that he never leaves us. He never abandons us. He never forsakes us. In fact, scripture said, says in the book of James, he never even acts like he's going to abandon us. The farthest thing from the truth, truth is God abandoning us. But the servant is not above his master. And yeah. the same way on the cross that Christ experienced our suffering and our separation from God, we in our natural lives, we're going to we're going to deal with pain. We're going to go yeah. through suffering. Um, and so, yeah, there is a great truth there to be taught. If we, if we give that pain to the Lord, 
there's a gain that is made. Now, if we allow that pain to separate us in fellowship from the Lord, or it makes us bitter, or it makes us uh, hard, or we don't endure through that, um, then then we kind of fail that test. But now, right. if you if you ask God for that grace, God will. Now, here's the thing: we tell our people, God never gives you grace on credit. Didn't work that way. You don't. It's yeah. not like you build grace up uh, for 10, 15 years and go through this storm. You've got all this grace. Now you can you can build up in your growth. But here's what Scripture teaches us, and Paul tells us: God will always give you the grace you need in the hour you need it in. Um, yeah. And then he just does. He God God knows when we go through our suffering. He knows how much we can endure, and he knows he knows for how long. Um, so you can apply yeah. that, Jeff, to coaching of the same way you you know some of the great stories you've told me of what y'all have done at ECU athletics and the way you built two different groups of teams. Really, um, you knew how much to put on them and for how long to do that, but it was never to hurt them. It was always to help them. And that's what Paul teaches us. Even our suffering is there to help us um, grow stronger in him. Yeah. And so we look at what is a burden, really, by God's grace, our burdens, man, they become some of our greatest blessings. Um, just a try, dynamic, dynamic passage of Scripture that we just visited right then. Gotcha. Well, thank you very much for that. Well, uh Going ahead how much did you hey how much did you give grace to those athletes when you were working them in the gym well the thing about it is is you know when, <laughs> yeah uh emmanuel emac's not going to say that you gave him grace when he you were training him by the way <laughs> him or any yeah, of those guys <laughs> emac was there he's still in the uh kind of the old school regime the old school uh Methods to some extent, you know, yes. when the NCAA started getting involved, uh, things changed quite a bit. But uh, I think there's still quite a window of adaptation for athletes when they get to the collegiate level. They can still develop for significantly. Sure. No doubt. I bring Emmanuel up because I know the stories you told me back in the day with that group of guys yeah. and uh, how hard you work. But hey, you convinced all those guys, even though you worked them so hard, you loved them. And they, Hey, look, they still hold on to that today, don't they? That's a good trick. Well, I'm, I'm very close to EMAC, and uh, I'm going to have he and uh, Sean drawn on someday to, to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the NFL as well. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about that one, too. Good days. Uh, That's right. Uh, but getting into Galatians here, and, uh, and we don't have to belabor this point, but just uh, maybe just mention what we're talking about here in this chapter with regard to legalism. And uh, – mm-hmm. And also standing fast in liberty, uh, Christ has made us free. Uh, what that's referring to, you know, and I taught history for a little while. I don't remember much of right. it, but I did teach it a long <laughs> time ago. So I, I pulled out a quote from Abraham Lincoln and it says, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we've destroyed ourselves. And, uh, you know, I think there's a connection there, of course, with, you know, what we read in the word. uh, Right. And, of course, there's a connection with the word in our government. uh, And, you know, and I think, you know, the status of our country right now, I mean, we get into a lot of this stuff right now as far as, you know, this discussion could be real deep off of that quote. Uh, But just uh, talk a little bit about that freedom and and the uh, 
and I guess Paul was kind of scolding or educating people yes. in Galatians as I see it. He, he was. He, that, that work had started off so strong. And then uh, as we bumped the other day, uh, you had ones coming back in and teaching. When you look at legalism from a biblical lens, that, that word is thrown around a lot today by a lot of people. And it's, it's often, I think it's well-intentioned, but I think it's oftentimes uh, misused. Um, I don't know that I've met a, a lot of true legalists, but in that day, the idea was that you could not have righteousness without keeping the law and the entire law. Well, Romans tells us that the law was good. And we know there's different elements of the law, whether, you know, we're not into ceremonial elements of it anymore. But you think about the Ten Commandments that the law is built off of. Well, we know all those things are still good. And so what began the, the danger of legalism finds itself when you're trusting religion above the grace you have in your relationship. So it, it, it defaults itself into its own uh, somewhat predicated self-righteousness. If, if you look at our current culture and where we're at, um, whether it's on the right or left, you can a lot of times find a lot of self-righteousness, people trying to set up their own idea of righteousness. And so we know that God's word frees us of that. He shows us truly what is righteous, but a, a great balance to that uh, of, of what the Galatians were going through is they were they were going through what we define as checkbox Christianity. They were thinking, as long as I check all the boxes, I must be a righteous person. And that's that's totally backwards in its thinking versus because I have this relationship with Christ and I want to express this in my everyday life. I may have some things that direct me or define me or distinct to me, but it all flows out of this relationship. So Old Testament, what do you have? You have us being taught you don't commit adultery, right? So that's that was a rule. That rule was always there to either do one or two things. One is to protect or one is to provide or promote is, would be the idea there. Um, New Testament, Jesus says, which we're underneath grace. New Testament, he says, if a man looks on a woman and lusts after in her heart, he's already committed adultery. And so we look at grace. Grace is an enabler for us to fulfill what the true intent of the law was and that is true righteousness, right? It's not just our acts that we're doing. It's the motivation uh, behind our acts. It's, you can see teams at times who are just going through the motions on the field, right? They're running the plays. They're schematically where they're supposed to be at, but their heart's not in it. Now, you find that team, and you know this being a pirate a couple of times now for us, uh, when your heart's in it, that's when the scheme works. That's when the plays work. And so – for us as believers, well, we need to be so careful that we don't move to a point that we're just going through the motions. And now we're depending upon those motions for righteousness. My righteousness is not found in what I do. My righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. Now, when I'm and I'm in Christ and walking in Christ, all these other elements flow out of my life. And that's really what he's talking about there is don't don't be dependent upon your own self-righteousness you stay centered on the savior don't just go through the motions of your christianity be real in it every day be genuine in it and live that out and you'll you'll not get caught in that trap that dangerous trap of legalism which really boils itself down to becoming uh instead of being what i'll say a savior righteous people you become a self-righteous people uh basically what we're saying is don't we want to do away with the false gospel of works correct that's absolutely absolutely okay. 
faith produces works, but works don't necessarily produce faith. Appreciate that. That helps me understand it. Uh, so moving moving ahead in Galatians, and I'm just going to hit mm-hmm. a couple high points here. But uh, of course, walking in the Spirit is very important to understand. And yes, sir. Uh, Galatians five sixteen and you know works of the flesh, of course, is uh, not going to help us. Not going to help us inherit right. the kingdom of God. And uh, versus fruit of the Spirit. So we're either sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit. And, uh, you know, this seems to be pretty simple. Uh, but I just really think in society, keep people get tied up with uh, chasing money and uh, chasing fame and uh, right. uh, impressing other people. And uh, in my case, maybe just what does it take to win the next game? Or, you know, I mean, you just get tied up with all kinds of stuff. Right. And then you get... Uh, you may get frustrated and depressed and you get into vices of all different types uh, to deal with that. Um, but if you stay in this word, you know, you, <laughs> you really start understanding uh, how powerful it is to keep walking in the spirit. Amen. And so looking Amen. at the, uh, I'm preaching now, brother. You are, um, I'm letting you roll, brother. You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing great. But uh, <laughs> I'm amen in you. <laughs> Well, when we look at the uh, fruit of the spirit, you know, we got love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, the one thing that I look at that I see uh, that I don't see much of some days is is joy. And, uh, you know, I just really think that people need to work to become more joyful and find find reasons to be joyful. And. Uh, and I said this a lot in the podcast that I had before before our podcast, I think with uh, Hogan Gidley, is, you know, you, mm-hmm. you get up in the morning, you find somebody to lift up and, and try to think about you know, doing something for somebody else. And that's going to that's going to bring you joy. Uh, that's bottom that's right. That's right. I, I don't know if I can say that any better, Jeff. You, you did great with that. And, um, you know, the, the times I've had a chance to travel around the world and do different missions trips and go and minister different places some of the most joyous people I've ever been around are people who have very little of anything. Um, and yet it's so easy. I mean, we know that God, yeah. uh, he, he's already promised he's going to provide us, provide for us. Right. But he also, as we obey yeah. him and trust him in our, our resources, he prospers us. And we are to keep that right. generous spirit throughout, you know, our, our Christianity. But if you're not careful, you, you, I guess you can get caught up in what you don't have versus what you do have. Um, yes. I guess you can find yourself if you're you're not careful spending more time asking God for what you want next versus as scripture teaches us praising him for what he's already done. Um yeah. and that that flesh that this flesh brother is a wonderful thing to have in ways but the sinfulness of it we battle that our whole entire lives. We do. But we know we know when we tie into the power of the word and we live out the word every day that when he says walk in the spirit he literally is defining our day by day Christianity. When we do that, there'll be a, the idea there is consistency in our life of all those beautiful fruits of the spirit uh, being produced. And uh, joy, joy is a choice we make in Jesus every day. And so I, I, I can't add a whole lot more to what you, as you said, you're already preaching, man. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start asking you the questions and let you go. Well, I appreciate that. I did want to tell you that, uh, you know, in our third 
our, our last segment, what I want to do is I want to get together a roadmap map of uh, practical application of these letters, uh, you know, so the spiritual walk is simplified for just, you know, someone who maybe doesn't read the Bible a whole lot or maybe doesn't understand it, take the time to understand it better. Um, but I think we can really do good um, we can. Yes, sir. providing that roadmap of uh, practical application. And, of course, what Paul is doing in his letters uh, as well. Correct. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So uh, and, and maybe we can get it in the, the Parker's Chapel Church Bulletin. Yeah, on we can. Sunday. Yes, sir. <laughs> we can make that happen. <laughs> Fill in the video announcements. It's not ours. There we go. Well, getting into Ephesians, uh, uh, you know, we didn't, we haven't talked about the mystery and the mystery is very powerful and mentioned, of course, and that's a very mm -hmm. important part of the word. Um, so if you would just define the mystery for us. So, you know, Ephesians, that the church at Ephesus was a tremendous church, great church. That may have been outside of when the church through persecution, relocated in Antioch. Ephesus may be the strongest church in scripture, um, for sure one of them. So wonderful book on, on relationships. We looked at that a little bit last week, just touched on it some. Um, the mystery was really what we would define almost as a full understanding of how the Old Testament, New Testament fit together in the goodness and the richness of Christ. Um, the Bible speaks about uh, studying that out and us beginning to get deeper, striving to get deeper in the things of God. Like, for example, just you and I living every day by faith, but striving to understand the love of God. And the, the driving theme, even though the book is very relational in Ephesians, is the richness of Christ that we have as believers. And that even in the Old Testament, they, they were looking towards the cross. They knew that the Messiah was coming. In the New Testament, we're looking back to the cross. We know our Messiah has already come. And so Paul is sharing with the church there the depth, the depth of what it means to walk with Christ, live in Christ, have your being in Christ. Um, that is totally being now in the New Testament. That's being completely unveiled for us. We, we know we have uh, full access to the Lord in this capacity. And so that mystery was the understanding really of the, the depth and the richness of our relationship that we have in Christ. And we look, we honest, we spend our lifetime delving into that depth. Um, and that now being unveiled to us, it, it's, it's just like we mentioned in Galatians uh, and, it's, and more second Corinthians, the pain and the problems for us become a vehicle for understanding. Not that because I'm experiencing this, that God doesn't love me. It's the opposite because I'm experiencing these pains and problems and pressures I know how much God truly does love me. Um, right. And so it, it is It is delving into the depths of God, his richness. That That is that mystery that unfolds itself and reveals itself as we walk with the Lord. So Ephesians, I love Ephesians. I love chapters one through three are very doctrinal in their approach. And then chapters four through six are very practical. We know scripture is always spiritual. It's always practical. Uh, it, it, Ephesians is a rich book right. to walk through, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so could we say that, uh, is it true that Satan was not aware of Christ in every born again believer? 
Um, that's a good way to pose that. We, I would say that Satan, from what I understand biblically, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on this, but is certainly aware of who the church is and yeah. the work of Christ in us. And he is, the thing about Satan is that, and his, his demons, we know he was at one point, we could talk about this later. We know yeah. that he was an archangel. We know he was a very high ranking angel. We go back to Ezekiel and believe he, he was beautiful for the eyesight. I believe, I think a lot of guys do. His initial design was for worship. Um, I think he is oftentimes trying to take things like music and corrupt it. There's a lot of good music out there, a lot of righteous music that blesses the soul. But we also know that he tries to use that to lead us away. But um, the devil works against the church in really a couple of different ways. One is uh, accusing the church to God and at times accusing God to the church. Um, and he is that, Lord, why haven't you done this? Or I can't believe this happened. And then there's that element. Then there's also the element he's always trying to imitate uh, the work of God. He's trying to show us something false. The Bible says in these last days, he'll even try to reveal himself as an angel of light. Uh, and the, the idea there is he's going to try to twist truth in the last hour of the church. And so the devil you know, he always wants to counter the work of the believer. He always wants to counter the work of the church. He yeah. always wants to give an easier solution than what, you know, true righteousness is. Um, and he's always operating in falsehood. He's in lies. He's the father of lies. And we got to be careful as believers that we don't ever listen to those lies. I tell our church here at Parker's Chapel, the devil is incapable of ever telling you the truth. And God is incapable of ever telling you a lie. And that's how you, you frame that. You, you listen to truth. You listen to righteousness. Um, the devil loves, we see in Revelation, he loves to attack the believer and, and make the believer think so much differently about themselves, Jeff, than what, um, you know, what God himself even thinks about us. And so, uh, yeah, he, he is aware of the work that God's trying to do in us. And we know this is what John writes about in First John, greater is he that's in me, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he that's in this world. Right. Um, so I can always have victory, no matter what the devil's doing, uh, I can always cast my cares upon the Lord and uh, know yeah. that he cared for me. And I, I can have victory in whatever area of my life, I'm, I'm, even if it's an addiction through Christ, I can have that victory in what I'm doing. Well, I'm just going to read one more scripture uh, and then we'll uh, see if our, uh, if our my special guest is ready to come yes. in. <laughs> uh, but also within Ephesians, uh, I love this. Uh, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to mm -hmm. comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ. Amen. And so, that's get, that that ties back to the mystery that we we spend our lives understanding what is the depth and breadth uh the love that christ has in us and it and it's so i love how he says there here, here's what happens the love of god that we experience through salvation that we spend a lifetime growing in that love drives us towards god as we get closer to god what does god do in us he grounds us he settles us he plants us um we understand truth not and we pull away from error and that that is God. That love is what puts us in place, what keeps us in place and what blesses us to grow in that special place of faith. And so uh, that's yeah, that's a beautiful what you just read is a beautiful, beautiful verse 
there in Ephesians about how awesome the love of God is and how awesome that work of the love of God does in each of us as believers. And it's brother, especially in this day right now, how important is, is it for us to be grounded and then settled in the things of God that we're not drawn away into error. Rather, we're living out truth and uh, that love of God, brother, it keeps us in that truth all the time. Well, certainly uh, there, there's no question in the Bible about the power of love. Uh, that's another reason I really love that scripture. Yes, um, sir. Amen. So uh, I'm going to give Bubba the okay to bring in another guest uh, when that's appropriate. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to keep, uh, we're going to keep talking here. Uh, the other, the other scripture uh, to him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. You know, there, you see that a lot in uh, referred to in athletics. Yes. Uh, what, what is kind of the analogy there, but we know that this is not probably directed towards some football team. I mean, but, right. but we can also take something from it. So we know that when we go to prayer, and we're, we're meeting with our Lord through prayer. I don't know if we understand always the, the amount of power that is accessible to us through prayer and through fellowship. And right. that, that power that God has rests on us and the potential that he's given us. And I, I believe this, as we grow in Christ, he, he increases our potential. He in, increases our capacity. Um, yeah. It would be like a coach taking a team who, who maybe doesn't know its real strengths, doesn't know the potential. You, you and I have both seen this, and you've seen it on a different level, but even some of the coaching I've done, you see a kid who doesn't understand all that they have, the gifting that they have, or, or the capacity to play this sport that they have. And so you help them. You begin to work with them a piece at a time to recognize what, what is that next level of growth? What is that next level of potential? And that by doing that, they're they're able to achieve so much, so much more, uh, you know, than they ever they ever dreamed. You think about a a Justin Hardy who played down the road for me at West Craven and is from Justin didn't grow up probably 10, 12 minutes from where I'm at, and uh, you know he becomes the NCAA all time leading receiver before Zay breaks his record. Uh, he plays in the Super Bowl with the Falcons. He plays in the CFL. Uh, you know there was so much potential there that was mined over time. You compare that to when we pray and we meet with the Lord. God has so much more designed that he wants to do in our lives than what we have a clue about. Um, and that that ability to go to God and know that he's whatever we've envisioned, whatever we're thinking and praying about, God can do so much more than even that. Um, right. That's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. It's where potential meets prayer. That's where you find power. So that's awesome. Thank you. That is awesome. Well, I want to welcome our guest, uh, Stephen Brady, and uh, Stephen, so happy to have you in today, and uh, uh, I know that you've been going through something, but I had the privilege and honor of coaching you yes, uh, 1991 Peach Bowl season, and what I remember about Stephen Brady was really hard worker every single day, tough, would knock the sparks off of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, 
Any anytime, and uh, I love to see you on special teams in the games because uh, I knew somebody was going to get lit up. <laughs> and uh, you know that was a that was I my love favorite that part of the game. <laughs> yeah, I love that stuff anyway, man. So you know, uh, really uh, brought physicality and, and a great example of physicality to the Pirates in 1991. And yes, you know, uh, Stephen, I, I was always very appreciative of when you and Kenny Burnett would see me, even when I was at Carolina, you were always nice to me. So yes, sir. I appreciated that. Well, uh, we think the world of you and uh, we appreciate everything you did for us and teaching us, uh, you know, uh, just kind of adding to the work ethic that we already had. We appreciated that style of coaching that you had. I can tell you that. Well, I appreciate it. And, and Stephen, will you just uh, kind of give us a little bit of a summary of what you've been going through? Uh, uh, yes. Um, I had, I'm, I'm 53 years old. I uh, had my first colonoscopy scheduled um, June the 17th and um, went in there. I figured they'd find some polyps, but uh, they went in, got the procedure done. I was in the uh, back room, woke up feeling good. And all of a sudden the doctor comes in and he's got this look on his face and the, uh, he said, we got some issues. And um you know, things changed quickly. He told me that I had a mass that they had found. They couldn't even finish the colonoscopy that day because of the size of it. It was about the size of an egg. And he was scared if he tried to go back around it, it might cause some bleeding. So they sent me to uh, get scans done and then immediately went to get my blood taken. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of knocked me for a loop early on there. Um, but once I got myself, picked myself up, dusted myself off, I a little bit nervous until they called me back with the results of the scan. But, uh, he said that it was good news mixed in with the bad news. It was localized in that one area. And, um, and he said that they were, I ended up meeting with the surgeon and, um, he, it was Dr. Naziri, uh, in Greenville and everybody had good things to say about him. And I liked to, I liked his attitude. He was confident. And which is what you want in a doctor, but he he uh, had surgery July the twelfth. Um, they got it out. They took nineteen lymph nodes out of me, and only one yeah. lymph node out of the nineteen showed any cancer cells, which was a good thing. He said if I'd have got in there much later, it could have been much worse. But um, I I've been through uh, four sessions of the IV chemo. Um, just did my last one yesterday. Um, I had my first chemo session August 24th and, um, finished up yesterday. I'm glad to get that behind me. Um, something that I've been doing during this period of time, when I first found out that I had cancer, um, I really started researching. All I typed in was success stories, though. I didn't, didn't want anything negative. I wanted everything positive. I, I typed in you know, how to foods that you can eat to battle cancer, things like that. And I went from 225 before finding out I had cancer and by eating smarter and I, I you know, continued working out and stuff. Um, I'm averaging now probably between 200, 205 pounds. And, uh, and I feel better now than before this all happened. I'll be honest with you. Um, I feel very blessed, uh, to have gotten through this. I got 14 more days of uh, chemo peels because after each chemo session, I had to go 14 days of chemo peels as well. 
Um, but I've been very blessed uh, through this whole situation. I've looked at it as something that uh, I can build on. And although I've always appreciated life, my friends, my family and everything, it definitely makes you look at, at things a whole lot differently uh, with something like this. And I looked at it as a challenge, you know, and to hit, take it on head on. Right. <clears throat> well, I've never seen you without a smile on your face. <laughs> and uh, I love that smile of yours. Pastor yes, Gene and I, you know, we just want to love on you a little bit today. Brother. Amen. We want to I tell you how much we love you. I appreciate you it. I feel the same way. And Pastor Gene's going to pray for you here. But, uh, you know, I had a, I, I'll just give you a quick deal. I had a melanoma. I, they took the lymph nodes out of my my neck and my face. And, uh, you know, I went into oncology and all that. And I was very lucky not to have it spread in, in, to any of my lymph nodes. Right. So I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit familiar. And I just, you know, when the day they told me that it didn't spread, I saw my, like my whole life kind of changed, you know. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, because I've been a hard hit, you know, for many, many years. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> that one there kicked me in the side of the head and told me it's, it's time to get right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, well, I'm glad yeah. things are going well for you. Amen. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm just living for Jesus right now, brother. I'm going to tell that's you, right. that's, that's yep. all I think about pretty much all day long. So well, I, I hate I hate to admit it, but I've always believed in the power of prayer. And yeah. uh, I, fortunately, I was raised in a Christian family. I grew up uh, going to Everett's Church of Christ in Beaufort County. Um, you know, uh, but I've got to admit, when I found out that I had cancer, I kicked the prayer into another gear. And, you know, yeah. you never hate to say that because you always want to be mindful and, and, and you know, have prayer uh, every day. And uh, but I got to admit, sometimes I slacked up on that. And uh, but I'm going to tell you, when I found out I had uh, had cancer, whenever I would go out and run or walk or go out fishing or be out in nature, that's usually when I would have my my talks with God. And and just yeah. that's when I feel closest to him. And um, and I really picked up the prayer. You can believe that when I found out you're right. It's a it's a wake up call. No doubt. Well, Pastor Gene does a lot of this, and uh, I'm just going to let him minister you to talk to you a little bit before he prays. But uh, Pastor Gene, uh, just going to let you come on in on this. Oh, absolutely. And Stephen, you don't, you wouldn't have any reason to know me, but brother, I know exactly who you are, and I'm going to, I'm going to connect some dots with you right here and show you how good the Lord is. Okay. So, uh, tell us real quick, just what high school did you graduate and start that football in a couple? I graduated school. from Bath High School, little 1A school, back before they combined with Bellhaven to become Northside. I went, I graduated from Bath High School in 1987, and I got redshirted my first year at East Carolina. And in my last year at East Carolina was uh, 1991, uh, the yes, year sir. we went to the Peach Bowl, and that was a that was a great a great way to finish up. You know, uh, all those years of hard work and. And it, it, that was always a dream of mine was to play in a bowl game. So it, it couldn't have finished up any better. No. And I was recruited by North Carolina State when I was in high school as well. And they tried to get me to walk on. And uh, East Carolina offered me a scholarship when Coach Baker was still there. And uh, so it was sweet 
sweet revenge. <laughs> <laughs> so do, do you remember playing a, another team from the glorious Tobacco Belt Conference called Chocolinity? Do you remember Chocolinity? I sure, Chocolinity? <laughs> I sure do. I sure right, do. So <laughs> last week we're having our first session, brother, and coach brings you up. I'm like, I know exactly who he is. So I'm, I'm five years behind you. Okay. Um, but I, you know, for us growing up, uh, Bath was, uh, man, I want to say this in the right way, Jeff. I want to say it in Christian love. Bath was a hated rival for us at Chocolate Yes, yes uh, it was. And the crazy thing, we were so close to each other in proximity. We, we stinking knew each other and saw each other. And I, yeah. I was playing junior high, but with brother back in the day, for anybody's watching this, I, I want to give you a shout out because you don't know who I am, but I look, all of us knew who you were and you were, uh, I told, I told coach Connors, I said, dude, Steven was a slam beast back in high school. And, uh, in one way I hated you cause you beat up on us. And in another way I thought, dude, that I have nothing but respect and love for you. Cause I'm thinking, man, uh, for us, and you know, this and back on back in the day in the TBC, I mean, uh, the Bell Haven and, and Bath and Chocolate and Columbia and Crestville, yep. Madam Mesquite. We I mean we were a bunch of farm kids out there having a shot to play and, and be around each other. And uh, man, it was a blessing. So to me growing up, um, man, you were a hero to us because you were somebody that we could relate to, we could connect to. We kept up with you in the Washington Daily News and um, I think you got about every award known to man, uh, and you got, Hey brother, you got it deservingly along the way. And, uh, I was a senior that year that we made the run in the peach bowl. I, I can remember I told coach Connors and, uh, y'all were already North side by that point in time. I think we beat y'all a couple of times towards the end, but I think you, the last time Bath played Chocolate I think y'all got very much the best of it. So I hate that that's the last memory of it. But uh, well, I remember right now. Go ahead. As far as, as far as Bath goes, I know uh, they finished up in 1989 before they combined. And I think Bath did win. But my senior year uh, was 1987. Again, I don't know if you remember William Haywood. Knew them um, guys. William Haywood. Yes, sir. And, um, and Curtis Myers. He was a senior yep. on that team. They had a lot of good athletes on that team. And they actually beat us at Bath. Um, to win the conference. We, we made it to win the conference. We made it to yep. the playoffs. But I remember that was a battle. And I remember William, he was solid. And he, he wasn't nothing but a, a piece of muscle, you know. That's it. And, uh, but that was a, a, a some great ball games. And you talk about the rivalries and stuff. It was – and again, like you said, I, mean, like I hated rivalry at the time. But I look back at now, and I run into some of those fellas, and it's kind of yeah. like brotherhood. Even though we played against each it other, is. we had the rivalries. Then it's like you you love one another just because of the appreciation of the game. That's right. And that camaraderie and how you bond as you play over the years and stuff. And that's kind of how we were in the nineteen ninety one team. I mean, it was you knew when you looked at that man beside you you know, that was your brother and they had your back and that they weren't going to let up. I mean, that was just, right. a, you know, but I love that part of the game, the, the, the battle that, you know, you can go out there and slam and beat and bang against one another, but the love afterwards and that bond that you develop over the time. It, it is, it is a brotherhood because even now when he, when coach Connors, I didn't know you were going through this, but I've been praying for you. Thank Since you. Coach Connors mentioned you, I said, Jeff, I said, you, and we even talked when the show was over last week. I said, you don't understand. Growing up in a school like Chocolate even though you got this rival, 
uh, you have a lot of respect for this guy. And, and I look, I can remember being in high school and uh, we would go to the ECU games. My sister was in school and I'd watch you play. And look, every time you came on the field, brother, I was looking for you because that was that was a real world connection to me uh, there at ECU. And I, and I appreciate it, even all these years later. I appreciate how you represented yourself back then and the way that you played and the, the dignity and respect you carried yourself in because if, for, for those of us, who, I mean, we played high school and that was really the end of it. Um, man, it was great to know that we were in the same conference and we had battled a team that, I mean, this dude, I mean, you were a pirate forever. You were a bath pirate and then yeah. you were an ECU pirate. And, yeah. you know, it, it was it was a big deal to us. And I, I told Jeff and I said, man, I get a chance to talk to him one-on-one, you know, just to tell you, man, it was awesome to watch you play. Well, and, thank you uh, so much. Know, know them guys that you banged heads with. And I had some guys I could tell you later that, I played JV ball against that you and I can remember. Right. And, uh, you know, Bath got the best of us a number of times and we got some good wins. But that yeah. I love how you said brotherhood because um, people don't know that you and I are talking to each other for the first time ever today. That's and right. we got that we got that connection through football, but you can already sense for the two of us, you and I have a greater, greater connection through our faith in the Lord. Right. And uh, I know Everett's Church of Christ. I know people in the years who've gone to church there. I grew up in the Church of Christ called right. Wilmore Church of Christ. So I knew where y'all were at and I could I could drive to your church right now to be honest with you. Yeah. But um, you know, very, very thankful that through Jesus we have the tie that we have. And um Absolutely. one of the things that Jeff and I talked about a moment ago is there's two passages we'll bump again before we pray over you. And I know so many people watching this are going to pray over you as well and pray for you. One was the grace that God gives us in our suffering. And I know that you've already seen that that he's going to give you grace above your suffering. Yes. And then knowing that God, when we go to prayer, does and he does so much more than what we even ask for. And uh, we've already been asking that your test results would come back good. We've already been asking that God would totally heal this in your life. And, and I've been praying that and I know that God will and already has that God will so touch you in such a way, Stephen, that there'll be a testimony that you can share with others after this that will either help bring people to Christ or encourage them in their walk with Christ. And uh, just know that whatever I can do or we can do for you right now, however we can pray for you, uh, my brother, we are honored to do that and uh, blessed to be connected to you. It's much appreciated. I can't begin to tell you how much I do appreciate that. And, um, you know, like you said, just us talking for the first time, I already feel like, you know, having that connection and stuff, uh, you know, um, a strong belief in the Lord and the power of prayer. And like you said, the brotherhood. of playing ball and stuff. Um, the support that I've had through all this means the world to me. And, uh, and I've had other people praying as well. Um, um, I, I put up a post about it uh, recently and the response that I got was amazing. I just wanted to put out there, you know, kind of what I did and with the fasting and just to maybe motivate somebody else that's dealing yes. with cancer. Um, and, you know, former teammates and just other friends. Uh, it's, it's been amazing the response and people saying that they're praying for me. And it and it it does make a big difference. And I appreciate everything. I appreciate those prayers. Amen. Well, let, let's let's three of us pray together, right quick. How does that sound? Pastor, uh, sounds good. Yes. Pastor, just let me do. Let me talk about one yes. more thing before you yes, pray. Yes, sir. And we'll close today. Uh, we'll close uh, when you when you do the prayer, but. Uh, I just wanted to go back to Ephesians for a second and talk about 
putting off the old man and, and putting on the new man. Um, because when I got sick, that's basically what happened to me. And I mean, mm. it was, it was much later in my life than it should have been. I try, I tried to do it a few other times, but it never worked. Um, but when I went through that melanoma and I went through a couple other things too, uh, it jerked the knot in me, but just what the word says about putting on the new man, I think is extremely important for so many people, uh, particularly when you go through suffering and hard times and you kind of get a, a knot jerked in your life. Um, but uh, the character of the new man, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, uh, long suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. I think that's extremely important and a lot of, it's very tough for some people to do sometimes. Uh, but then the formula is above all things, put on love, the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule your heart and let the word of Christ dwell uh, in you richly in all wisdom. So basically what we're talking about is love, peace and, and, and word of Christ. And uh, that's about all I got to say about that. But I want to throw that in, Pastor. And yes, sir. You can comment on it if you want, but I just think it's it, it's something that I went through and it was a, a very powerful transition in my life. Because believe me, I never claimed to be perfect. And, uh, uh, you know, I had a long way to go, but I'm getting there. And uh, and one of the reasons I'm getting there is because of Pastor Gene Williams. That's for sure. Oh, I just iron that's sharp awesome. iron. <laughs> Uh, and none of us are perfect. Yeah, none of us are perfect at all. But that new man, uh, I had a pastor tell me one time that our lives are like an onion. We peel them one layer at a time. Yeah. And sometimes they make us cry. And that yeah. that new man comes out through the adversity and the struggle. And that's that's who we really are in Christ. But Christ will he will cleave off these areas that we don't need. It's like Stephen was talking about going through and you know I'm changing my diet. I'm doing this. I'm doing that to enhance who he already is where the Lord loves us so much. He does the same thing. And the Lord never takes anything from us that he doesn't give us something better. And that when he gives us his blessings and, and what is best, boy, we start becoming that new man and, and that to carry ourselves with love and compassion and uh, tenderness is not weakness. It's, it's a, a spirit of heart. Right. Um, you know, a strong man is one who knows how to cry, right? Uh, understand the depth of the emotions that we feel Christ showed us that and to to be able to forgive one another we we need to we need to receive forgiveness every day in our lives from the Lord and then we need to extend forgiveness to others and uh, to, to live in that way is a is a blessed thing it uh, forgiveness allows a, a, a chocolate Indian to pray over a bath pirate and being a good <laughs> being a good spirit the whole time we're doing it I want you to know that. Right. <laughs> and love him in the Lord be have his back no sir. doubt. <laughs> yes, sir, my friend. Well, look, let's let's pray together. Jeff, yeah. that was, I don't need to add that because Coach Connors, you you explained that perfectly. So uh, I was throwing some more highlight on it. Was all that was. Stephen, you. you've missed it. Jeff's been preaching half the half the meeting today. He's been rolling it out, man. <laughs> He's been unloading the wagon. I love it. So, well, let, let's let's pray. To, uh, let's pray together and uh, pray over Stephen and pray over this ministry and ask God to guide us in this time. Yeah. Lord, it is a joy for us to meet together and for whoever is going to join us now and uh, Lord, see this. I pray it's a blessing to them. And 
Lord, we do pray specifically today for our brother. Uh, thank yes. you for Stephen and his life, what you've done. The Lord, the story you've already written, but for the story that you're writing. Um, Lord, I still remember back to, to being a, a young teenager and uh, watching him play and Lord, then seeing him at college and not knowing, Lord, that years later you would give me an opportunity uh, through you to connect with him. And so that's, Lord, that's been a blessing and privilege for me just to, to connect with him and reminisce some about those days. And yet, Lord, um, we look forward to the days that down the road we can interact and fellowship again. And he can share with us about how good you've been. How, Lord, yes. even right now you're healing him and you're raising him up. And, Lord, as we've even gone over today, what you told the church at Corinth, may you give our dear brother, and we know you will, all the grace that he needs uh, to endure this, this that time, this pain in the flesh, this thorn in the flesh. And, Lord, we at the same time, Lord, we wrap him in grace and mercy when we ask you that, Lord, you would totally cleanse him of this cancer we pray that lord you would so touch him that he would be delivered from it now and he would be permanently delivered from it moving forward and we pray god that you would use this in his life lord this burden that you've allowed him uh that he would or day by day as stephen's already said he's given it to you in prayer that you would lift this in such a way that it will become light to others that lord the the truth and the grace and the mercy you pour into stephen will pour out into others lord not just now but all the days of life that you bless him with and so we pray lord that you would heal him from from his head to the bottom of his feet and everywhere in between that you would cleanse him and that yes. lord you would strengthen him and that even as we pray today that he would sense a touching of your spirit on his body his mind and his soul and that lord that you would lord so often what we've seen in scripture the storm you bring us to is the storm that you bring us through and so we pray for healing in this storm in our dear brother's life. And so, Lord, just continue to bless he and his family, his church, as they're, they're facing this head on in their faith. Uh, may you continue to work and write his story out the way that pleases you. May you continue to bless Coach Connors. And, Lord, all the young men that through the years he's mentored and ministered to, and even now as you've brought that to a whole new level of fruition, may you continue to bless uh, Lord, this work right now that we're engaged in and may, Lord, above any of these things, all that we've prayed about today, may you use it all, Father, to your glory, and we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for this time. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you so yes, much, sir. Pastor. Pastor Gene, Thank I sure appreciate it. And it was it was so good talking with you today and getting a chance to you meet too. you. And I, I really do truly appreciate the prayer. And uh, Coach Connors, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. Hopefully everything will continue to go well with you. It's, um, and I know I'll be seeing you at some point in time. Yes. Face face again. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to get up with you and, and take you to lunch one of these days. That sounds good. I'll do that. And maybe, we can get, maybe we can get Kenny Burnett to join us too. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah we, can, we can have some good uh, – talk about some good memories. Yes, sir. There you go. Uh, Thank well, you, Stephen. Good to uh, talk to you, man. Yes, Pastor sir. Gene, I'll see you next week. And uh, uh, Stephen, I'll give you a ring sometime soon. And uh, we're going to keep oh. praying for you. Amen. Uh, this is this is uh, Jeff Connors signing off now for Absolute Empowerment, armoredlife.org. Uh, God bless you and join us next week. Thanks a lot. All right.